Today we are in Matthew 6. We're graduating from Matthew 5 into Matthew 6 as part of our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. And this is, as I've said week in and week out, probably the most dense teaching of Jesus found in the Scripture. So really studying these things and looking at them carefully is extremely important because Jesus is letting us know what the, where are the most important things to focus on. What is the heart of the law? Not just the laws, but the intention behind it. So, so we're going to be in Matthew 6 today. We're going to just be in the first four verses. And I think that today is going to kind of kick off a, a little sub, sub-series, if you will, within the Sermon on the Mount over the next few weeks of sermons uh, that has a certain theme that you will begin to see as we go into it. So Matthew 6, 1-4. Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord for today. In 2018, there was a study of news reports from around the world. And it showed that there were 259 selfie deaths in the world, in 137 incidents between October 2011 and November 2017. And the highest incidence of of deaths as people were taking selfies was in India, then Russia, then the United States, and then Pakistan. So to combat this very real danger of people taking selfies and not paying attention in dangerous and scenic areas, in India, Mumbai, uh, they designated 16 no-selfie zones. So there are places that were, where you have to pay attention, and you're not allowed to take selfies there, or you'll be breaking the law. So that was the whole idea uh, of those laws, uh, that people who had, who had passed away by taking selfies in dangerous places would, not, would be prohibited from taking them in those places in the future. So this is, this is obviously a new, a new problem in our world, that's with the advent of the technology that we have. It's a new kind of death, death by selfie. It's, a, it's a terribly troubling. And this is something of what I'd like to talk about today. Especially in an age of social media, we have been groomed, and our own sinful nature really enjoys it, to seek out our self-worth by what others, others think of us and what we do which is kind of what selfies are all about. Look at the food I had for dinner, right? We've all done it. But we've been groomed to seek out our self-worth, our real need for self-worth, by what others think of us and what we do. So being seen by others, uh, and I can attest to how, how good it feels to be seen, to have pictures liked on Facebook, it's kind of like a drug that makes our existence feel validated for a time. Like, what we're doing is, is meaningful. All those likes, all those loves, and now in, in the pandemic, all those cares, whatever that means. It's a way that we bolster up 
our sense of self. But self-worth and our value, our identity, uh, it's a very fleeting way to prop us up. It's a very fleeting way to prop us up. Other people are not reliable to do that. The problem is really oldest time from way before selfies came around and social media came around. Ever since sin entered the world, God's world, our identity has been broken. And we have felt a strong desire to bolster our identity up to survive. This need for strong identity and purpose can cause us to seek good things, our identity and purpose, but in sinful ways, by looking to other people or living in front of other people. And this is often what drives our behaviors and attitudes in life, a desire to be seen as a certain way, in a certain way, have that determine our value and worth. And certainly, you know, the temptation is everywhere from small children to grown adults who you think would know better, right? Every week when I'm preparing sermons, subconsciously you have thoughts like, oh, I really hope that people, you know, that, that seemed like it was well put together or that was, or that was funny or that they think I'm a great speaker. Everyone does this all the time. And it's always going on in the background. We have to, we have to become aware of it. Because ever since sin entered the world, when our identity, our clear relationship of who we are in relation to God was broken, like, it's just been broken. And even likes on Facebook are sometimes the only thing keeping people alive. Very sad. But the need for identity and purpose is a, is a, is a legitimate need. When it's found in what other people, how they respond to you, and what they think of you, it's, it's a very faulty foundation. And this is kind of what I call death by selfie. It's a major issue because it's rooted in our identity as people. This need to be liked, commended, thought of well, that holds us up. We all want our lives to matter, and that's a good thing. We all want to feel good and that we are good people living with a good purpose. But in our culture today, we are subtly beginning to believe that our lives only matter to the extent that they are noticed by other people. Same problem, different, time, te- different technology. We are starving for identity and meaning. And when you add our sinful nature to that mix, we'll look to just about anything other than God to find it. We really will. Over the next three weeks, we're going to see Jesus address this problem of death by selfie, the self-focus. Jesus focuses on the particularly bad effects of this phenomenon when it's combined with what Jesus calls our righteous acts. So this is an especially deadly uh, combination. Our need for identity to be bolstered up by other people and then doing righteous acts. Like anything you do like prayer, worship, giving in the church. When what we are supposed to be doing to glorify God alone, to give God pleasure, to please God, things like giving prayer and fasting, gets combined with our desire to receive recognition and praise from others to bolster up our identities, the overall effect is toxic to the human soul. It's toxic to the Christian. It kills off the relationship a Christian has with God in the favor of social recognition. So if anything, the danger of combining religious performance with wanting to be affirmed by other people, it's, it's just a deadly combination, which is why Jesus attacks it. So over the next three weeks, Jesus wants us to think about this phenomenon as it touches our spiritual lives within the church and with God. And as we do this, 
it'll be easy to see how these concepts can be generalized to other parts of our lives as well. It's an issue that we have that's as deep as our um, original sin and our broken identities. But I think Jesus is encouraging us to establish, especially focused in our spiritual life to start with at least, a no-selfie zone where we are living in God's sight and not evaluating ourselves based on what other people think of us or how we look. So today we're going to be talking about this area of giving, giving to the poor. And if we have ears to hear what Jesus is teaching us, I think this could be applied anywhere in our spiritual life. And we're going to have two more weeks of talking about this concept in other areas of spiritual practice. So I've been praying that God would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are soft to to go after these areas um, where it's so easy to, to get into a toxic situation of religious performance to be viewed by others so that we can feel good about ourselves. So Matthew 6, 1 to 6, once again, Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret." then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So what were the first two words of Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6? First two words. Be careful. Be careful. This word for be careful is sometimes translated in different Bibles as beware, which is a much more ominous and I think fitting way to say it. It's saying, Jesus is saying, whatever happens next, this is not going to happen naturally to you. This is going to be against the grain of what you're naturally going to want to do. You need to give special focus, lots of focus, on this issue because it's important. It's like, you need to focus on the road. (laughs) Put your phone down. Give focus, lots of focus. So what is the danger area according to Jesus? He says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So he says, watch carefully, in particular, when you are doing acts of righteousness. In Jesus' day, this would have been giving to the poor, financial giving. This would have been prayer, and this would have been fasting. Those are the three, and Torah study, studying the Bible. These would have been the four things that would would have been talking about. And it says, Be careful not to do these acts of righteousness or or be careful to watch as you do these acts of righteousness. Do not do these acts of righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. You notice this is a hard issue. To be seen by them. Right? Because we know that giving and worshiping and singing and Bible study we, of course we're going to see each other do those things to some extent. Jesus commended the woman who gave all she had to live on at the temple for, um, he, he saw her give. So obviously he didn't have a problem with her giving in public. But the heart behind it is be careful not to do especially these spiritual parts of your faith to be seen by others. Once you start performing this part of your life, 
it's kind of the last hope. <laughs> this, is, this is where we get our hope, our salvation, our life force. If we begin acting, which is what hypocrites means, putting on a mask in front of other people in the body and, and doing spiritual things to be seen by other people, it's really going to harm us because the place that's supposed to give us life is the church. And if we do these things before other people, it's not, it's not going to be good. So Jesus is challenging us. Beware, be careful. We must exercise a deeper level of self-awareness than we normally would to make sure that we are, not, we are doing worshipful, act, worshipful acts for God's glory alone, not to make others take notice of us and give us praise. So I think I, as a worship leader, as someone who has worshiped in churches, I've thought about this a lot. And a lot of times people talk about the idea of you know, raising hands or not raising hands. I don't want to raise my hands because other people will think I'm weird. Or I, I do want to raise my hands because that's how I worship or you know, whatever it might be. The question is, when we are lifting our hands in worship to God, is it because it's something that God's put in our hearts and he's called us to do? If we're not doing it in order to demonstrate our spirituality to other people, then it's a good thing. Like, for instance, when I worship God, I don't know why this is, but I am, when I'm connected with God, hand on heart, hand in air. I don't know why. That's, that's my posture. And you can have it if you're doing it for God. Um, how, how would you worship God if you were by yourself? Are you doing it? I'm not, I'm not doing this to, to, to make you think I'm more spiritual. I'm doing it because this is how my heart connects to God. I don't know if I think there's some kind of like electric con- conducting that happens. I, can, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I have like a, my heart connected to my arm and it's going up in praise to God as my visual, right? That's just how I feel. Some of you, I, I know, even though it's probably greatly painful, you feel called to kneel. Some people feel called to, you know, sit quietly and reflect during large parts of the worship. Again, are we doing these things to be seen by other people as a challenge or are we doing them because God's put it in our hearts to do them? The, the, the interesting thing about this teaching is because, of, because it's a heart issue, it goes both ways. You could either do something to be seen or not do something to be seen. That's crazy, right? That's why we have to beware because you could be lifting your hands to make people think you're a, a really spiritual worship person or you could be not lifting them so they won't think that you're one of those crazy spiritual worship people. It's, it's insidious. That's why we have to beware not to do things, especially in church, for the, for the sake of other people, either to make them think more of us or have them not think enough of us, if you will. What, what would Jesus say? I mean, in his culture, this was like in vogue to go around blowing trumpets and throwing your, throwing your offering into the offering plate really loud and saying, I'm giving to the poor. This is great. This is not really the world that we live in right now, in my opinion. Like, if anything, because this is a heart command, maybe some of your acts of worship you don't do in order to keep people from thinking you're one of those crazy Christians. Maybe you don't tell someone you're praying for them when you normally would with a brother or sister in Christ because you don't want that person to think differently about you or think that you're, you're a crazy Christian. Maybe you don't um, bring your Bible with you into a public place so you don't want someone to think something about you. It can cut both ways. In this culture, I think it was a lot of don't don't be, you know, making yourself look tired and weary when you fast because, you know, they, people were doing stuff to demonstrate how spiritual they were. In our culture, I think many times it could be the other way, that we don't, we, aren't, we are not being ourselves in public, you know? 
Whereas in church, we, we, are, we act one way and we say certain things. In public, we withhold because we don't want people to think something that we don't want them to think. We want control there. So it's a, it's a hard thing. But Jesus says, give attention because the fundamental aspect of this thing is that we are to develop a before-God-alone approach to our spiritual lives. We're supposed to, everything that we do, we're supposed to do it before as if God was our only audience. And we're supposed to go uh, to fully engage with whatever God's calling us to do. We're supposed to develop a before-God-alone approach. And we are, Jesus says we are to beware. We are to ask, ask certain questions to raise our awareness level of why we do what we do. Things like, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I giving? Why do I give? Who's watching me? Who am I, who am I aware is watching me? And what is it about doing this religious deed that makes me feel good? You know, these are the kind of questions we have to ask because Jesus wants us to be careful when we're doing worship activities to make sure that we are doing them for the audience of one. I think that the, um, in many ways, the pandemic and, uh, and, and, and giving, if you will, like we're, we're all giving online or giving in very anonymous ways. There's no plate being passed. That used to be a layer of like, ooh, people are seeing me put this money and they're not putting the money in. And then you feel that, that weird thing. You're doing it to be seen by other people. Now that we're giving online, it's kind of nice because we can all give in secret. <laughs> and it's, that's actually kind of nice. We don't have to have that layer of... Um, of self-consciousness in this area, but we, can, but we, have deci- we decide we want to be faithful to God, and we do it. We're not doing it for anyone, but to bring honor to God. That's why we're doing it. And Jesus wants us to be careful that our worship activities, we're doing them for God alone. Not to be seen by others, noticed or praised. Because if, if, your, if your desires for someone to see you being spiritual... And then they see that and they kind of make you feel good for that momentary sense of self bolstering up. Um, you've received your reward in full, is what Jesus would say. You've received the, the, the respect of your, colleague, of your uh, brothers and sisters in the church. But if you want a different kind of reward, and in this, in this passage it says, the Lord will reward you, God will reward you for doing your acts of righteousness in this way. If you want a different kind of reward than a social reward, if you want a different kind of reward than like a temporary bolstering up of your ego or feeling good about yourself for a little while, then we should be pushing uh, to live as to an audience of one in our worship, in our giving, in our prayer, in our fasting. Our reward is whatever is motivating us to worship in the first place. So if, you're, if you are motivated by wanting to worship an audience of one, God alone, your award will be God. And if your award is being thought of better by other people, you'll get that reward too. But it's not a very good reward compared to the blessing of God that comes on your life when you live in this kind of way. I am certain that Jesus perfected this kind of worship in his lifetime, because he's God in the flesh. So we can look at what Jesus did. And I was trying to, I was counting up, I didn't have time to, to fully do this this morning, but I was counting up how many times it says that Jesus went off to a solitary place to be with God. You know, Jesus was constantly disciplining himself to live as unto an audience of one. 
That's why he was with God the Father by himself, I'm sure. To hear from God, to love God, to worship God, to pray, and then come back to the social setting and have that firm identity, no need for other people to think, back, think well of him. He was able to confront people that needed to be confronted without feeling like, oh, they don't like me anymore. He was able to do all kinds of stuff because he was so solid in his relationship with God. And it was God alone that uh, inspired Jesus to do this. So if you do your righteous deeds, your giving, your praying, your fasting, um, for God alone, that's your heart, then you will get rewarded by God and all the blessings that are wrapped up in God. So when we begin to ask to be more careful to do acts of worship unto God alone by asking those deeper questions, why am I doing this? Who is watching me? Who am I doing it for? What about this makes me feel good about myself? And we're able to kind of focus on God. We're going to be in a good position. These two sentences, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. These two sentences have endless application. If you just tried to live out those two sentences for the next year, and you focused on this, you would really go places spiritually. If you really were able to hone down your relationship with God to audience of one. It could be, if, I think it's one of those things where Jesus says, be careful to do this, because this is not a one-time thing where you learn how to do this, and then you've learned it, you can move on. He's saying, you know, if applied consistently over time, if you raise your awareness of why you do what you do, um, you're truly going to begin, begin to live for God alone and God's glory and receive the reward of God himself. So Jesus says, be more careful. Be more careful to do your acts of righteousness before God alone. Jesus now goes on to tell us how it looks in one specific area, and that's the area of giving. This is in 6.2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Apparently, you know, Jesus had seen people, had witnessed people worshiping in the temple who were making a show of what they were doing. They were, they were, they were giving loudly and demonstrably, even blowing trumpets, toot your own horn, I guess is where we get that expression, uh, to be recognized as being spiritual by other people. But Jesus says when we give, we are not to give like the hypocrites, which means actors, by tooting our own horns, announcing people to people how much we're giving and that we are giving and making a loud noise of it in order to be honored. If we're giving um, in order to, to uh, make others think well of us, we've received our reward in full. So Jesus says, if you, if you give to be seen by others, you're, you're only acting. And Jesus didn't die to save your mask. He died to save you. He needs to get to you. Um, so put an end to this. He goes on to say, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. This is, of course, another figure of speech that Jesus uses. Like when he said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. This is, this is a figurative language. Because obviously, the way your brain works, that's not possible. But th this is meant to be an extreme, uh, extreme consideration in our lives. That we should really beware. That we should put some extra thought into when we do our acts of righteousness to ensure that we are not doing them 
for an audience of other people, but only for God. So to the point of having your left hand not know what your right hand is doing is the extreme measure that Jesus is advising us to take. So when you give to God in worship, do it secret, so only God sees, and you're sure to be doing it for God alone. And if you give in this way, the passage says, God will reward you with himself and all the blessings he brings. We're living for God and his glory alone. We're living for him. We're, we're, not only are we telling God we're living for him, but we are becoming congruent in ourselves, and we are living the way that we want to, finally, for God's glory. And the amazing thing about when we start to live for an audience of one is we become like Jesus. Jesus, who was not an insecure person, who walked around wondering if his disciples still loved him after he gave them a hard teaching. You know, Jesus was not insecure. He was able to say what needed to be said. He was able to, to, give, a, to give a rebuke and then sit in silence as the other person processed it. Um, he was fully developed in his personality and fully trusting in God. And when we begin to do our acts of righteousness before God alone, it really builds and bolsters up our identity in Christ. And we know that we're the real deal because we're really doing it only for God. When other people kind of recognize the spiritual things we do, as much as it's nice to be encouraged, sometimes it can be a damaging thing because it can give you a good feeling, but then it fades away quickly. But when God, when you do it before God, and you get his reward, it's, a, it's like a permanent fixture, a permanent situation. So in a way, this piece of doing our acts of righteousness with careful intention to make sure we're doing them unto God is something that really will determine a lot for us. In the passage today, it talks about giving. When we begin to give to the poor, to, to whatever God's calling you to, but we do it to an audience of one. Sometimes I'm, I'm blown away you know, on, on Facebook, and you see people start those GoFundMe things for someone's funeral expenses or medical expenses, and you see people dropping like 500 bucks and just says anonymous on it. I always get very touched by that because I can see that there was, it was an act of love. It was an act of love that someone did this. It wasn't to be seen by other people on Facebook. It was, it was love. And when we do it for God alone, we receive in ourselves this idea of a reward, being rewarded by God. And that's, a, that's something where I think uh, we, don't, we don't know exactly how God will reward us, but we believe by faith he will. And so something about this kind of disciplined life of doing things in secret, you know, God will reward you one way or another. It's, a, it's such an incredibly deep heart issue. But what I want to challenge us to as, as a body is as we do our acts of righteousness, as we give, as we worship, as we pray, as we fast, the things as we study the word, that we would do these things unto an audience of one. That we would do these things for God alone and for his glory. Um, not in our hearts to, to look a certain way to our brothers and sisters in Christ or even the world. And the second thing I would say is, perhaps you're the person who is holding back from doing acts of righteousness because you don't want to look like a certain kind of Christian or some kind of, you know, or whatever, to people that don't know Christ or other people in church. 
if you are holding back from worshiping in the way that God's called you to worship, for instance, if you're a, if you're a hand raiser or you're a dancer or whatever it is that God's called you to do in worship, and you don't do it because you don't want someone to look at you and think something about you that you don't want them to think about you, then you are play-acting. You know? You're actually you're acting in that situation too. So it's a, it's a real hard issue, but the whole, the whole point is that we would become a people who live unto an audience of one. Do not do your acts of righteousness to be seen by others. But whenever you do these things, as far as it depends on you, do them secretly so that God sees what you do in secret and he will reward you. This is just the beginning. We're talking about um, in, the, in this passage giving, but we're going to be looking at prayer. That's going to be a really interesting one. Prayer. And we're going to be looking at fasting as well. Um, and the challenge is becoming, becoming a fully devoted disciple of Jesus, being formed by Jesus Christ and the work of his Holy Spirit, not maintaining appearances. That's what it's all about. Not putting on a mask and having other people love you for your mask, but being, actually becoming discipled in Christ, actually being good rather than looking good. I love how Rob Reimer wrote that in Soul Care. He said, we spend so much, so much energy trying to look good to other people that we, we end up not and actually being good. We actually not, end up not being formed at all because we're so concerned and we're so um, consumed with wanting to appear a certain way to other people. And it's the challenge is that we are to, to take Jesus' words, beware, be careful, because this is a subconscious thing that needs to be brought into the conscious realm. Many times, you, if you just were to look at yourself and not pay attention, you'd be like, I don't know why I do the things I do. But if you're, if you're careful when you do your acts of righteousness, you will begin to and ask those questions, why am I doing this? Who am I doing it for? And, and uh, really determining that you're doing it for God in a single-hearted way, um, you're going to find there's lots of opportunities to apply this teaching in your spiritual life as you raise in your awareness. So I'm going to invite Julie to come forward and, and play a song of worship for us that we can sing together. But uh, today's sermon and the weeks that will follow are about seeking the pleasure of God, seeking to glorify God, to, to glorify Him with every part of our lives. Even if you were on like a desert island and you had no other people that you were interacting with, you could live unto God and worship unto God in that place because you are adept at living your life before an audience of one. Jesus, forgive us for acting and, um, and pretending. And I just pray that we would go deep in our, in our lives this week and we would find those places where we are not being fully honest um, that, Lord, we would be careful to do our acts of righteousness as unto you, Lord, and to receive you yourself as our reward for doing so. Also, Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us for judging others, for putting ourselves in your place, for looking at how someone else worships or someone else gives or someone else does this or that thing or doesn't do this or that thing and deciding that we can make decisions about them based on what we think. So forgive us. In all of these ways, we want you to be God and us to be just the creation, broken as we are. Uh, you are God alone. You alone 
deserve all of our worship, all of our praise. Um, I pray that we would learn to live as unto you in all that we do. I pray your blessing on your people, Lord, as they go to be the church in their communities, in their workplaces, in their homes. And I pray your blessing on everyone who is at home right now joining us on the stream, Lord, that you would bless them and fill them even as they cannot be here with us in person. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dispersed. Go and be the church.